Hi, it's dating coach Chris Luna from Craft Charisma. Welcome to the Craft Charisma podcast, our free audio coaching program where we interview the top experts in the world at helping you become the man you've always wanted to be. My guest today is Rachel Russo. Rachel is an NYC dating relationship and image coach, speaker, matchmaker, blogger, and author of the book, How to Get Over Your Ex, a step-by-step guide to mend a broken heart, Italian-American style. Rachel, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you for having me, Chris. Rachel, would you mind telling us a little bit about your background, and then we could talk a little bit about some of the different things that you do. Absolutely. So I grew up in New Jersey, and I've been living in New York for about seven years now, and working in the dating and relationship slash matchmaking industry for almost a decade, believe it or not. Um, Pretty much graduated from college in 2005 with a psychology degree, and absolutely fell into the matchmaking industry and have been in it in some way ever since. Cool. Rachel, can you walk us through the process that you go through when you match a client? Okay, so I love to meet everyone in person and I mostly work with people in the New York City area. However, I to welcome people throughout the country or even internationally. So if I can't meet with them in person, I would Skype with them. That would be the first step if they're not local. But if they are local, I will meet them. They can come to my office, which is now near Grand Central. They can come out with me for a drink, for lunch, you know, whatever the client is comfortable with. It's such a personalized business that I want to get to know them as, as if I'm a friend. So I sit down with them and I start to ask them about their their life, like what they do for work, what they do for fun, and talk a little bit about their family, then get into like the juicy stuff about the past relationships, and just kind of figure out, you know, why is this person coming to a matchmaker at this time, and what are they looking for, more importantly, and and I sit down and determine, could I actually help him or her find their match? Mm. What are some of the common reasons that people come to a matchmaker? I think in New York City, one of the biggest things is that no one has time and everyone is working so much focused on their career. So they want someone who is going to just kind of outsource, they want to outsource their love life. So someone who's going to kind of just take over for them and help them and screen candidates for them so that they don't have to do all the legwork. And that's what I do. Another reason people come to a matchmaker is because they have a really bad track record of picking their match, and they start to think, wow, I'm, I'm not too good at this. I keep falling for the same type of person, and it's not working out. Let me have a professional find someone. A third reason would be that they actually don't have anyone in their network, which sounds crazy because we're so we're so connected with Facebook and all these social networking sites, but people actually come to me and say, wow, like everyone I know is in a relationship or they're married or all my friends, the only guys or girls they know are, are ones that are still in the party scene, and I don't want that. I want something serious. So those people recognize they have to kind of expand their network and that my database has more candidates than theirs. So somebody gives you, sits down with you, they have coffee, they have a drink with you, uh, they tell you all the juicy stuff, they give you a list of demands, no. um, <laughs> they, they give you a list of qualities they're looking for in a, in a potential significant other, what do you do next? 
Well, first I have to take that list of demands and determine, is this realistic? Could I actually do this? And I make gentle suggestions sometimes. So often this has to do with age range. If someone wants to date someone who's 20 years younger, I may try to push it down to like 15 <laughs> um, and see, you know, can I actually deliver what they want? It's negotiable. We kind of come up with that criteria together. Hmm. And so once you have this kind of list, what, what is the next step? The next step would be for me to put the client actually in my database, which is all private. It's nothing that's online. So I have my hard copy and my Microsoft Word document, and I type up a profile about the client and highlight all the good stuff. I'm almost like their publicist, and I want to bring out the qualities that are going to make them appeal to their target market, so to speak, and that's what I do. And then once I have a good understanding of how I'm going to market this person, I start and look within my database and sometimes outside of my database going out into the world to recruit and start to come up with a list of candidates who are appropriate for this person. And then I'll start screening and, and calling and seeing who's available and who's interested and take it from there. There's kind of two directions I want to move. The first is I know that you actually do personal branding sessions, right? Yes, I do that as well. So I'm not just a matchmaker. I'm a dating coach, of course, as well. And personal branding is something that I think any single needs to understand before they put themselves out into the scene. So I really try to help people in a strategy session figure out who they are and what they want to communicate to their potential matches. I mean, we don't have a specific person, so this could get vague, but maybe you can think of somebody specific. What, what are some of the qualities that you might have somebody kind of sell through their branding, their brand, their, their kind of personal branding strategy. And how would you, how do you market that? I mean, you said you go out into the world, you use your database. Do you do, use tools beyond that? Sure. So there's a couple of questions there. First of all, I, an example comes to mind. Say a client comes to me and says, I'm, I'm very family oriented. So I think that's a good thing. And um, a lot of people are looking for someone who's family oriented. So now when I create the profile on this client, I may put in there that they like to spend time having family dinners on the weekends or they're an awesome aunt and they love kids. Maybe I would suggest if they have a profile like on an online dating site, that's something I do as well. I help people make profiles on their sites. I ghostwrite for them. So I would, I would craft the profile in a way that would communicate that they're family oriented. I might suggest that they have pictures and make clear like this is my niece, this is my nephew. Um, just in case anyone doesn't want to date someone with children, we need to clarify that it's not their children. So that is, that's how I would do the personal branding. And um, then the second part of your question, Chris, you're asking other ways that I go, I guess, beyond my database and, and just recruiting into the world, correct? Like what else I do? Yes. Okay, so um, there's different tactics that I use that I think all matchmakers use, but the first thing would be to go through my personal network as well. So there's always like friends and friends of friends that when I go out, they find out what I do and they're just also fascinated by it. So I start to ask them if they know anyone who's single. And now this person that they refer to me does not have to become a client, but they'd be what I call like a free recruit. So I just kind of put them in my database, do a brief interview with them, and then I can use them um, for matchmaking with my clients. Interesting. Um, I mean, there's a kind of a few things that come to mind, and this, I guess, moves outside the scope of matchmaking, but just kind of personal branding in general. 
and how something, for example, like you're very connected to social media, how something like social media, um, how, how that affects somebody's kind of dating and social life. I mean, do you have some, I make us any thoughts on this? That's a good question. So I really like to look at people's social media sites and evaluate if it's portraying them in the way that they want to, to the singles they're hoping to attract. And they may say like, well, this isn't an online dating site. It's just my Facebook profile. Like, yeah, but you know what? There's guys or girls that are on online dating sites that also happen to be your Facebook friend. And we all know that some people use Facebook for dating anyway. So you might as well have a good image on all of your social networking sites across the board. So Facebook in particular is a lot of photos, as is Instagram, right? So I, I actually encourage people to reconsider some of the photos that they put up. It could come across in a bad way. For instance, I know a couple of people that are like competing and like bodybuilding and, you know, like they're in the fitness world and they, that's their thing. They take like a lot of selfies all the time and they're just posting everything like pictures of them with their shirt up or their legs or their arms or what food they had and their meal prep. So uh, if that's, that's all they have like on their Facebook page, it may give the wrong message if they actually want someone who has interest beyond just going to the gym. These are women that keep posting those photos, right? Uh, I think that there's both. <laughs> um, if I look at my Facebook feed, it's probably more women, but I, I think men do it too. But there, there's a lot of like bikini shots and stuff. So now this girl, say she's coming to me and she's saying like, oh, I want a guy with depth who like, you know, likes me for me and doesn't just, isn't just like attracted to the physical. Well, if she's posting all these like bikini pictures, I need to sit down and talk with her because she has to find a way to post other things on her Facebook page to, to communicate who she is, that she has many facets to her. I mean, I see this all the time, especially, uh, I mean, both genders, I, that was kind of a joke, but, uh, I know guys do this all the time, but girls, you're right. Absolutely. Um, yeah. they, uh, you see this on online dating sites and they'll get lots of responses from guys because they're wearing a bikini, like a two piece. Um, right. but like the photos are over sexualized. Yeah. And so as a consequence, they get like very sexual responses and then they get right. upset when they get over like overly sexualized responses and you go, well, look what you're selling. Right. Absolutely. So the girl needs to really evaluate if she's coming to me because she's looking for a husband, I would tell her to have a lot less of those pictures. Mm. If she just wants a casual hookup, fine, put as many as you want, you know, <laughs> uh, what type of photos should somebody have? I mean, you mentioned the one with, uh, uh, with a family, uh, what type of, like, what should the profile be? What should kind of the other photos that, cause it really, they're kind of curating an identity. So what should that identity look like? Okay. So one thing that's very important is that the photos are recent. We've all experienced horror stories, whether personally or through friends of the people that show up for the dates with photos that were 10, you know, their photos show that they were 10 years old <laughs> and now they, they look different and they're, they're 20 pounds heavier and all that. So you need to have recent photos that portray who you really are. That's the most important thing. Secondly, I think there should be like some type of headshot or at least a clear picture of you know what your face looks like not too far away not only pictures with sunglasses so that you can get a clear image 
And then, in addition to that, you, you don't want to just have these like cheesy professional photos. I mean, you can have some of those, that's great, but you should also have like candid shots that just show off your lifestyle. And some of them can be with friends. My thing is that when you're creating a profile, again, like you want to show all facets of your personality. So you can't have too many photos with yourself just with friends at clubs holding drinks and beer bottles because then you look too much like a partier. So you have to show a little of that if, if you enjoy that and then maybe have photos doing other activities. If you like to go to the beach, you take a photo at the beach or doing a sport or whatever so that it just shows who you are on many different levels. That's great. I mean, I can think about times like I was working on a times that I've used online dating sites because I was working on a, like a dating coaching program for online dating. I'm like, ah, oh, let's mess around with this and kind of see. And one of the things I real I realized when I was looking at people's profiles is they would do things that, like what you were saying, um, they would have a bunch of pictures of them drinking. And uh, I mean, I don't really drink. Uh, every once in a while, I'll have a drink, but generally, I just don't drink. So if somebody has. Even one photo of them drinking, I, I usually would just kind of screen them out. Everybody else is different. If somebody is really into the party scene, that, that might not be a big deal uh, for them. Um, I'm looking at, I was looking at more photos of them with their family, doing fun stuff. Another right. thing that I used to find interesting is when there'd be like four or five photos of the exact same angle. Like it would be yeah. somebody who has their like... What, what guys, I've watched guys look at their profile and I've seen this and girls, they have the exact same tilt of their head, the same side, the same angle, uh, yeah. the same smile. They're just, just in different places and different outfits. And I'm always like, this girl's weird. Yeah, that's a good point. I think that's a red flag, Chris. I mean, especially for women. I don't want to pick on the women, but a lot of women now, okay, they're meeting off of Tinder. That's something we can talk about. I have strong feelings about that. But anyway, they're using like, it pulls their photos from Facebook. So they have the same photos. I see them like what you're talking about. And it's kind of angled in a way that makes them look maybe a little thinner than they really are. So the, now they're, they're going out on using this mobile dating app and they're meeting people that are only like liking them for their looks. And then they go out and they, they look like heavier than they did in that angled photo. And then they wonder why, <laughs> you know, the guy isn't interested in them. So again, you have to have an accurate representation of who you are with those photos. Mm. Uh, it, this is great. Uh, another kind of story I, I can think of is I remember I was coaching this guy and I went through his Facebook and he had all these like very kind of misogynistic, very sexist posts on his wall. Oh, that's a red flag too. Yeah. And he was a really good guy. I mean, a great guy. And one of the things I had to tell him, I was like, hey, buddy, uh, probably you might think like that, but you can't post it on Facebook if you're looking for a girl uh, because most girls, that's a huge red flag um, and they're going to they're going to tune you out. You're right. I mean, people don't really think about how their posts are impacting others. I was talking to someone the other day about someone specifically who's constantly posting about like all the haters that he has and <laughs> making these posts about like how he's better and he's going to be strong and like their loss. And it just kind of puts out a bad message when you talk about negative things like that, or you sound like you're arrogant or full of yourself. This is interesting. Um, what what are some of the other things uh, you kind of do? I mean, I know that there's a bunch. You have a bunch of different kind of elements to to your business. 
Yeah, so something that I do as well as the dating coaching is actual relationship coaching. So this can be with singles who are looking for a really serious relationship, or it can be people that are in a relationship. Sometimes I see couples together and do coaching with them. Um, so I have my master's degree in marriage and family therapy. So I was actually clinically trained as a therapist, and I did a lot of work with couples when I was in grad school and after. And I can do like couples counseling with people, but it's, it's a little different because it's coaching and I'm giving them my opinion and it's I'm more involved <laughs> in their life, let's say that. But a lot of times couples, both of them are not, both members are not like on board with it. So sometimes I work with what I call a half a couple and maybe it's the girl, maybe it's the guy. And I work with them to make changes within their relationship. So the idea with this relationship coaching is really to prepare people for marriage. It's kind of like premarital coaching, if you will. And that's something that I think is like really important to, to do before you make a commitment. Can you talk about what that means? Yeah, so I think like back in the day, like at least with the Catholic Church and, and different churches, everyone did that pre-cana and they, they were required and, and now it's a little relaxed sometimes, but they had to actually go to classes about having a marriage <laughs> and no one really does that today, but I think maybe they should in a different way, like look at the divorce rate, but you know, people don't always feel comfortable going to a priest that's not even in a relationship or on the dating scene, so I kind of make myself more religious. I think, and it works well. And I just guide people throughout the process of, of actually like wedding planning. Not that I do the wedding planning, but throughout the process, I think it's important to not get lost, not to focus so much on like the celebration and the reception, but to actually be like, okay, we're getting married. This is a huge transition. Are we ready for this? What do we need to work out? Do we actually need to talk about things like how we're going to handle money, like if we want to have kids, all those conversations. I help people have in a structured kind of environment before they're getting married. And how, how do you have it with half a couple? Well, I have someone who would come in and do sessions, um, usually on a weekly basis, and I meet with him or her, and they kind of just tell me about what their concerns are in the relationship and what they're working on and what they're trying to change, and we set goals, and it just kind of becomes like a life relationship coaching session, which is very personalized depending on the client. And I always do encourage the, the half couple to actually get the full couple to come in, but sometimes people just don't want to do it, so I don't force that I believe changes could be made by one person as well. Is that a bad sign if one half of the couple won't come in? I think it's a bad sign. <laughs> um, you know, if it's something that's really important to their partner, and it should be really important to both of them, but even if it's not, and one can care less, and the other person is saying, like, I really want to do this, I think we need to do this, and the person doesn't want to, yeah, they're not flexible. If they can't compromise on that, how are they going to be after they get married? I'm just curious, do you ever tell people that in a session? I do, actually. I have a client. It's so funny. And I told him, I, I actually said when he came in, like, I don't know if I could really help you because <laughs> it sounds to me like, you know, you're not all of the problem. Like your partner has a large part of the problem. I think you're like with the wrong person. And she really didn't want to come in. She thought that it was like all him and that he had to come to me to learn certain skills. As it turns out, they broke up and now I work with him as a matchmaking <laughs> client. So um, yeah, I, I was, I was going to, I, I was going to ask you, did you slip him like your number or somebody else's number? Like, <laughs> no, no, I didn't try to sell him on that at all. It just kind of worked out 
felt that way a few months after he actually just was like, oh, I'm going to want to hire a matchmaker. I'm back on the single scene. But, you know, I had a conversation with uh, his partner, and I often do that, but um, she didn't want to come in, and that was okay. You can't force it. But it's more effective, I think, you know, if both people are on board, ideally. Can you talk a little about pacing a relationship? pacing a relationship like how fast is too fast to move with certain things yeah it, when is too fast to move when should you um if you're looking for a relationship can things happen i mean should you wait to have sex with somebody can you have sex with them the same night like i mean we've seen all these different variables but there's definitely a, a magic to guiding a relationship if you don't know how to do it and i'm wondering if you could give the listeners some pointers Sure. It's funny because I have different answers on this, whether I'm talking to a woman or a man. <laughs> so I'll have to give you both. Um, you know, and before I, I say anything, I guess I would say that my disclaimer is is that, you know, all relationships are different and we're dealing with individuals. So there's no like absolutes and something that works for one person might not work for another person. So obviously I hope like the listeners are keeping that in mind. Um, but I would say that there are some dating rules that you should follow. And it has to do with everyone's belief systems, obviously, but like my personal belief systems and my experience and just like what I've seen, because I consider myself an observer of, of everything, like all, you know, this almost a decade, like I'm learning from my clients. So one thing I've learned is that it is a mistake if you sleep with the person too soon. And too soon to me is like first, second date, even third date. I know people have that like number three in their head. <laughs> um, but I, I always tell women now, women especially, that they should wait as long as possible to have sex um, with a guy because women are the ones, as we know, with the oxytocin hormone, they get more attached and they may become attached to someone who is not good for them for a relationship. So they have to worry about that risk at all times. Then the other thing is um, the idea that men like the challenge. And you know, some men end up in relationships with people they slept with on the first date. But a lot of them have admitted to me that in the back of their head, they kind of still like wish they waited. And they may even like think less of the girl, even though it sounds so backward and hypocritical, they think less of her. And they also did not have that opportunity to really like chase her and go after the challenge that like men love so much. Hmm. So I think that try to delay that. <laughs> um, I tell women to delay it until there's like an emotional investment from the guy. So what that means is the woman has to know somehow that he's really interested in her for her and not just to have sex with her. So however long that takes is <laughs> however long she should wait. And I guess it, it just really depends. Um, there's no hard and fast rule for when you can tell that. It depends on the nature of the relationship and how often you're seeing each other and the quality of the interaction. What should somebody look for if they want to see if somebody is kind of emotionally invested in the relationship? Well, I think if someone's emotionally invested, they want to see you at all different times of day and during the week. It's not when it's just convenient for them. So a lot of what happens with dating, I think, here in New York is like people will meet 
So want to meet like near their neighborhood after work at their office for a drink, like they're squeezing you in before they have a birthday party. That's not an emotional investment. That's doing what's convenient for them and just <laughs> squeezing you in. So that is definitely not what you want to look for. Um, also, if there's an emotional investment, he or she wants to have you in their life. They talk about the future. They might plan a trip. They want to introduce you to their friends and at the right time maybe to their family. So if they're not emotionally invested, they don't make you important. They just do things on their terms. They don't care if you're really getting to know them and their life. Dating coach Chris Luna here. This is the perfect time to take a quick break to talk to you about three simple things that you can do to dramatically change your life. First, listen to this entire podcast and then subscribe through SoundCloud, iTunes, or Stitcher. This way, you'll immediately be notified every time we share a new release. If you listen and apply the ideas we discuss on these podcasts, it will change your life forever. Second, go to craftchristmas.com, create an account, and become a member of our community. There you can read articles, listen to podcasts, watch videos, ask us questions, and document your journey in our forums. Great men don't become great on their own. All great men are members of a community, and Craft Charisma is your community. Finally, if you're serious, and I know that you are, about making massive changes to your life as quickly as possible, check out our live coaching programs on our website. Craft Charisma live programs are the fastest way to improve your dating and social life. And who knows? Attend our live programs, let us get to know you, and you may end up as a member of the Craft Charisma team. Again, thank you for listening. Now back to the podcast. So if somebody's listening to this and they're like, okay, well, I had sex with a girl on a first date or, or whatever, I'm dating somebody. Um, and they're like, I want to lead this into a relationship. And I'm not really sure if, uh, if she's ready or if, um, I mean, it's mostly guys, guys listening to this, but um, they, they're like, I don't know if this person's ready. How do I lead this person into a relationship because I'm already deeper than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> okay. So, all right, guys, it's not like, it's not dead and done and like you have no chance if you did and you slept with the girl too soon. <laughs> um, there are ways to progress things to more of a relationship. And you got to get away from like that casual, 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 like stop text messaging all the time at late hours of the night. <laughs> you know, you don't want this to be like a friends with benefits. So you need to start treating her as you would treat a girlfriend and, you know, take her out during the day. Don't make every one of your dates involve drinking. Just simple things like that. Start to show an interest in her life. Maybe there's a way that you can help her with something that she's working on. Like, you know, maybe you have connections. You can help her get pressed or something for her business. Like, whatever it is, you have to show her that you're genuinely interested in her. You want to make her life better. You're not there to just hook up. Like, even though you already hooked up, you already did it, you don't have to sleep with each other, like, every time you see each other. You want to develop a friendship, too. So maybe you need to slow down physically and kind of develop a friendship. I think what you said about not drinking on every date is a good idea. And I'm not actually a big advocate of... I'm not really drinking on dates. I'm not going to say that that uh, I've never I've never done it or um, I've never kind of suggested. Oh, you could grab a drink, but generally, I'm more of hey, you should meet her for coffee and walk around the park. Uh, you could do. I mean, there's lots of different things I, I might suggest, um, but 
I'm not really a, like, I, I'm not a big person. I, I, I was confused when I was younger. I got to a point, and this is probably exactly where the alcohol industry wants you to be. I was so confused in my early 20s. I thought the only way a girl would be intimate with me is if she was drunk. And, yeah, and a lot th- of guys think that. You're not alone. <laughs> oh, no, no, absolutely. And, um, and like, I know that's essentially what they're brainwashing you to do every time they post a picture of, like, uh, some very hot, attractive female and some, like, average-looking guy in a, in a uh, Heineken or, so, or whatever, Miller, Miller or, or whatever kind of alcohol they're, they're selling. Um, right. So, I mean, it's complete bullshit. I mean, it's absolute, it is. It's absolute bullshit, but it's confusing, and it mixes guys up. And um, so what are some good dates for guys who are trying to get, like kind of are, are struggling with this mentality and they want to learn to relearn because we know how to do this as kids, right? Yeah. Um, even if we're not dating, we know how to make friends, go out, do stuff, find things to do. They're relearning this, um, relearning this. What can, what are some good suggestions for, for kind of dates? Okay. I think it's great that you're, you're thinking about this and bringing this up because I'm sure there's a lot of guys that are actually listening to this that don't even like know how to have sex with someone without being drunk. <laughs> um, it's, it's just brainwashed, like you said. So get away from those type of drink states and get into getting to really know the person like sober, and then you will be able to hook up with them sober. Um, some great dates. I like your idea of, of the park and walking around. That's always fun. Um, you can do something like that, or you can walk around a park, or if you live, like, near a beach or something, or just, like, a cool neighborhood in the city. It's, that's always fun to just, like, wander around and see where the day takes you. There should be some kind of backup plan in the guy's mind so you're not just totally aimless. <laughs> um, of course, you know, having a meal that's, like, traditional um, dinner, sometimes that's too formal for people, or the guys don't want to spend the money on dinner if they don't really know the girl. So I actually like a brunch date. I think that's good, like a nice Sunday fun day, you go for brunch, you walk around after, you could do lunch, um, something like that if you prefer. Um, Also, the idea of going to like a cafe for coffee, I think that's great. It's better if you try to make it a little special and not necessarily go to like the crowded Starbucks where you can't get a table, but to try to find like more of a mom and pop kind of shop that maybe she's never been to, that could be cool. Obviously, like, there's a lot of activities that are out there. Um, There's a site called greatdatedeals.com that a friend of mine actually owns, and she posts all kinds of things that you wouldn't even think of, like activities. There's also that howaboutwe.com, which I think is good, so guys can get ideas there. But really anything. I mean, it's good to do something that has to do with like arts and culture to see if you have similar interests. So maybe you can go to a play or like an improv kind of class. That would be cool. Um, You know, if she's into sports and you know that you can go to a sporting event or a museum and walk around if there's a cool exhibit. I mean, really think outside of the box and do fun things like that. Hmm. I'm thinking about the, the girl that I'm dating. First time I went with her on a date, we went to yoga she met me at yoga. She'd never been to yoga. And then afterwards we went and had lunch in Williamsburg because there's a place around the corner that I like to eat. And I was figured I'd be hungry after yoga at 11 or 12. And then um, the second date we went on, it wasn't like essentially she came and met me and I had to run errands. And at some point we dropped by the donut uh the donut plant and picked up donuts, but mostly she just came with me to run errands. And the third time, I, I think maybe we went to see an improv show. 
Um, but we just kind of mostly did things, mostly did things that I mostly did things with her that I kind of normally did that were a part of my life. And she really, she liked it. I think that's good because you're probably very comfortable doing those things. And so you're like more genuine, you're more yourself. Like, you know, you don't necessarily want to do something that's so out of the norm on a first date or second date because you're nervous enough. Um, So, you know, it's good to, to like think out of the box, as I said, but don't do something like you're so uncomfortable with. Yeah. I would say, I mean, kind of where I was going with that is just, I'm not a big fan of expensive dinners unless you go out to expensive dinners all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, you do like, think about the way that you normally dress. And if you don't normally, if you dress like shit, then, well, that's probably a problem. <laughs> that's, a, that's, yeah. a big, that's a bigger problem. Um, unless you are trying to date girls that like men who dress like shit and, and, uh, there's some out there. Um, but I mean, kind of figure out what you're comfortable with, but also think about what it is that you are portraying, right? So if you are portraying, like if you're, if you dress really sloppy, then you probably all the time and you're trying to date a girl that's got together, you probably need to step up and throw away your holy socks and underwear. Um, yeah. need to get your apartment in order. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I think, I think this is really good advice. Uh, I think it's great advice. Thank you. I mean, what I like about the approach that we're discussing is that the guy is being genuine and real and he's not just putting on pretenses because in the beginning, everyone can do that, but it's going to come out who you are. So if you only have like one suit and you're wearing that on the first date and take care of the expensive restaurant, she might think you're like that all the time and you may not be able to keep up with that image. So overall, be who you are. I I agree with you 100%. What are some of the other good suggestions for where to meet someone? Well, I do um, image consulting as well, so I did want to bring that up, and that could actually be a strategy for meeting the type that you want. So some guys do kind of need to change their style a little bit and look at, you know, if they, so say they work in finance and they just wear, like, boring clothes to work every day, but they're really, like, a cool, edgy guy that's, like, you know, maybe wants to be in a band or something at night, then maybe they should dress, like, a little different and go to, like, those type of music venues that they would meet girls that have a similar interest. So the strategy would be to really think about who you want to attract and then tailor your wardrobe toward them, what would appeal to them and is still comfortable for you. And then start trying to go to places that these type of girls might be at. So you're talking about really kind of packaging yourself for your target audience and then making sure you are where your target audience is at. Right. You are where where they're at and you're going to appeal to them. You have the qualities they want. So, uh, for instance, like Barnes Noble or a bookstore, if you really like to read and you're like an intellectual type of guy, a good strategy for you would be, first of all, carry around a book everywhere because that's a great conversation piece, <laughs> whether you're on the subway or, or wherever, easy to start a conversation. But maybe you actually want to spend some time and not be like just the creepy guy like in the magazine section clearly looking to pick up girls. But actually find like an area that you're interested in and go there and, you know, try to get books and sit in the cafe and start seeing what women you could talk to and strike up a conversation. Hmm. You ever go on the Strand? Say that again? Have you, have you ever been in the Strand? Oh, the Strand Bookstore. Sure. Yeah. They, they that's, a, that's great. They have a t-shirt in there that says if somebody doesn't have books, don't fuck them. Wow, I like that. <laughs> <laughs> no, if you go home with somebody and they doesn't, if they don't have books, don't fuck them. And like, that's good that, advice. I, I feel like it's generally good advice too. Okay, so we talked a little bit about image. We talked about packaging, style. We've talked a little bit about 
um, kind of lead a relationship. What types of, if somebody's looking to take something serious, you mentioned questions about the future, talking about the future. What types of questions should they be asking the person? One thing that's very important is where the person wants to live because this can be a deal breaker for a relationship. So in New York City, if someone wants to have children and raise them and live in Manhattan, we know it's very expensive. So it's better for the guy to know that upfront than to be dating her for like six or seven months. And then he realizes like, I want to move. I want to be like in Brooklyn or the suburbs or something. And this girl like only wants to be in Manhattan. It's not going to work. So you do want to find out if someone is open to relocation, if they're flexible or if they have to be tied to an area because of their family or work or preferences. Hmm. What, what other questions? Other questions. Um, well, uh, the children thing again, if they want to have children, not first date conversation, but ask it sometime soon before you get into an exclusive relationship. If they're open to having children or if they really want children, that's something for, for a guy or girl to know, definitely. And not that it's an interview, the dating process, but it kind of is. <laughs> so what is their plan? Like their five-year plan maybe, or just what is their vision for the future? It's really important to make sure that you're compatible with, with your goal, like the kind of lifestyle that you want. So, you know, maybe if someone wants to like quit his job and travel through Europe and the girl is like, no, I can never do that. I have this like 50 hour a week job. I went to grad school. I have all these degrees. Like they're focused on that. Then you're not going to be compatible. So you have to really determine what the person wants out of life and what they want out of a relationship. I, I just think of all the things that go wrong as a consequence of people just not communicating. Right. They, they don't talk. Um, and then they just assume like you, you mentioned the living in Manhattan, but if somebody is, like, for example, if a woman is thinking, I'm going to live in Manhattan and I'm going to have a couple kids and I'm going to get a nanny and the nanny's going to take care of them and I'm going to be kind of a socialite and the guy's like kind of, even if he has money, more blue collar, that could be a problem. Yeah, money does get in the way. I mean, if the, the goals are very different, it doesn't have to, but if someone will not bend and they want that lifestyle, then it is going to be a problem. At what point should somebody cut somebody loose? Hmm. <laughs> well, I think after they've given them a chance and a second chance, <laughs> I think everyone deserves a chance or two. If you love someone, you're going to have that tendency to keep giving them more chances than they deserve. But then you become a fool if you give them too many. So I think one or two chances <laughs> is, is all they should get. If, if the person is not able to change their behavior, there's a point where you have to give up and say, okay, this is a deal breaker. Like you can't have that false hope that you think like, oh, they're going to change. Things are going to get better. You can give it a little time. So my suggestion would be, um, say, we'll bring up drinking again. Just, you know, a lot of people have a problem with this actually. And say the guy drinks too much and the girl thinks that he's going to change. Well, maybe she wants to give it a time period, like I'm willing to wait two or three months to see if he's going to like cut back and get more serious and get his shit together. And if he doesn't, then she has to be willing to leave. And the guy should do the same thing. You just can't put up with nonsense like that. So I think one more thing that's worth adding is uh, make sure that you are clearly communicating your needs to the other person because you can't give them one chance or two chances uh, and cut them off if you're not telling them what 
you need from them. That's a good point. If you make it clear to them what you want and what you need, then they have the opportunity to deliver. What goes wrong in so many relationships is that one person is blindsided and they have no idea. I mean, if the girl is like making in her head or like telling her girlfriends, like, I'm only giving him a month, like he needs to get it together and he has no idea, then he, he doesn't have as much incentive to change. But if he knows about it and he really values the relationship, he's going to make an effort and then she can determine, you know, is this good enough at whatever point in time it is. Not just incentive to change. He might not know, right? Right. If she makes like he or she, like guys out there, you, you make a comment or two to her. That doesn't necessarily mean that she's processing what you're saying in the same way. If she makes a one or two or three kind of nitpicky comments on you, doesn't mean that you know that this right. is something that is important. And so um, it's important that you articulate these things. I also feel like there's, better and worse ways to communicate these important things. Do you have yeah. some suggestions for that? Sure. Well, the thing that comes to mind is that important conversations about the relationship should not be had via text. And <laughs> a lot of people have entirely texting relationships where they talk about everything. But I feel like it needs to be done in person, ideally, or at least on the phone. And that's that's really it. You know, you have to understand what the person really means and the emotion behind the text and all that. So you have to you have to be there to talk about it. Cool. Let's take a few steps back. So what are some of the biggest things that or biggest complaints that women make about the guys that they're dating? I know you mentioned the uh, the 10 year old pictures. Uh -huh. <laughs> what are some of the other common complaints? Okay. Uh, two of them that I know offhand <laughs> men are cheap <laughs> that I hear a lot, you know, that they're not spending enough money on them or they're not taking them to nice places or he took me to like a glorified diner. Okay. So they don't like that. They, they believe that once a man really likes them, he is willing to invest his money in them. That shows that he has an interest. Now, most women know, like you were saying, like you don't really particularly like to spend a lot right away. I think that makes sense. Like if you don't know that you're really into the girl, you don't have to go all out. But once you like her, you have to do something to show you care. It's not just about the money, but, you know, women like little things. So maybe if you're getting her flowers or even like little gifts once in a while after you've been together a while, just things that don't have to be super expensive but, but show some thought and some money put into them. Um, if that's not happening, women complain. The other thing is that the guy is not committing to them. So he's not even committing to plans, actually. <laughs> he's not even making plans. He's just doing everything like spur of the moment. And there's a lot of that. I see a lot of guys that say they want to be like spontaneous and they just want to like pick up and go. And But women like advanced plans once in a while. So if they can't commit to plans, how are they going to commit to a relationship, right? And that's something that women complain about. The guy who didn't commit to the plans now does not want to make the exclusive, the relationship exclusive. Or he's the one who's like dragging his feet about getting in so all throughout the relationship, women complain that the men don't commit. I would say the money suggestion is actually great. Um, I, I, my general thoughts on this is you should kind of stay within your means and every once in a while surprise somebody. Mm -hmm. And so whether it's, and this is a mistake when I, I think about my early twenties, when I knew nothing about kind of dating, like I would meet a girl and I would send her roses, invite her out, or I would send like bring her flowers. And, and oftentimes, I mean, girls liked it, but it was so kind of over the top mm -hmm. and kind of unnecessary. Um, it just didn't really, 
like in retrospect, I like I feel like I'm I was insane. Um, I just didn't uh. really, I, I didn't really know any better. I mean, a lot of women think it's cute, but I would tell you my relationships are a thousand times healthier now than they were when I was in my early twenties. And good for you. And, it uh, sounds like you learned a lot. Yeah, no, I know. I I would. Uh, um, I I didn't. And and um, but the idea of kind of surprising when you have somebody that you like. And you're dating them. Every once in a while, surprise them and go to a nice restaurant or bring them flowers um, or send them flowers when they're not expecting it. And I feel like that gets a lot more kind of emotional mileage. It does because women want to feel special. And when a guy brings flowers like on a first date or something, they don't really feel special. They assume like he does that for all guys, all girls. <laughs> so they might think that like this is nice, but if he does it all the time and he doesn't really know them, it's, it doesn't say anything about how he really feels about them. Yeah. I mean, one of the things I would probably say is women often think, well, he's going the extra mile to try to have sex with me. <laughs> yeah. Or that. <laughs> That's what they think. Um, uh, so, okay, and you mentioned uh, no commitment, right? So a lot of guys are wishy-washy on kind of the commitment. So what um, – so you said advanced planning. So can you give me an example of kind of advanced planning? Because maybe the guy does have more of a, a busy life or a spontaneous life. Um, so how, how does he kind of manage manage these two things? So it's fine once in a while to plan things spontaneously, but if a guy is doing that all the time, it sends the wrong message and it will tell a woman that like he doesn't value them enough to actually make plans. They might start to get the idea that he's just waiting for something better to come along or he just puts himself first and never makes time for them. So it could be something as simple as just asking her like, what is she doing this weekend? You know, I'm free on Saturday. Do you want to get together? We can confirm the exact time later but then she knows okay now it's a Tuesday but she already knows she has plans for Saturday night those are the kind of things that women like that don't really take that much effort so just like giving them a couple days notice instead of calling them at two in the morning and saying hey like can I come upstairs Exactly. I mean, or even like the same day, like this is what guys don't get. So, you know, they'll send a text like in the middle of the work day, like, what are you doing later? You know, and so now as a woman, okay, if I'm going to have a date later with a guy that I like, that might affect uh, my choice of outfit. <laughs> so I might want to know in the morning so that I wear something that I would wear on a date and not like this like conservative work outfit. So, you know, guys need to be a little considerate and think about things like that. Mm. Yeah, and, and not only will they think about what they're wearing, oftentimes, um, good or bad, they'll go get their nails done or their hair done. They'll go yeah. get like they'll they'll do extra things if they really like you in order to look great. And as men, oftentimes we appreciate these things, uh, but you have to let, give her the opportunity to do them. Right, we have to plan for that. <laughs> okay, awesome. Uh, any other, I mean, we're kind of getting close towards the end of our time together. Any other kind of suggestions, recommendations, thoughts, um, words of wisdom from the mind of a matchmaker? Sure. So we talked a little bit about how to know when to end a relationship. And this is just something that's so difficult and it's personalized. And I see a lot of people struggling with it. And one of the reasons that 
I believe people are not in healthy, happy relationships is because they are too attached to their exes and not even necessarily exes that they spend a lot of time with, but even like someone that they dated three times that they can't like get over and they're still thinking that's the one that got away. So this is all unhealthy. I really encourage people to focus on the present and to move forward and not just be, you know, like going through their phone and contacting past people that it's worked out with. Um, so one thing I would like to mention, you, you said when you introduced me about my book. So I wrote this book. It's for men and women. It's called How to Get Over Your Ex, A Step-by-Step Guide to Men's a Broken Heart, Italian-American Style. And um, it's funny. It like kind of plays on cultural things about um, Italian-Americans that can really help you heal. And I definitely encourage people to, you know, whether they read my book or they read another book or, or do something. Like, you know, a breakup is a big deal. And I feel like you have to process it. And uh, there's a lot of suggestions in my book of how to do that. But also, back to your point, Chris, like how to know when to end it with someone, how many chances to give someone. I really do get into that a lot in the book. There's there's actually a, a whole chapter about reasons why someone is a stunod, as I call it, <laughs> um, the Italian word. And there's like red flags that you can look for. And I list them all out, like common things that men and women do that show like, hey, this person's got to go. This is not a healthy relationship. Give us a couple of them. Um, well, the drinking thing, um, we mentioned that. So any type of addictions, you know, if the person is putting drugs or alcohol or gambling or work even before you in the relationship and you want a serious committed relationship, like that is something they need to work on. Um, so that's a, that's a sign of us do not, someone who's, who's not like, and obviously I, it's a problem. I mean, it's like a mental illness, you know, people have to work on it, but they have to recognize that they need to work on it. So um, that's one thing. Um, someone who lies or cheats or anything like that, like those are definitely signs of a student. Any sign of like disrespect for, for you and the relationship. Mm. Rachel, this has been absolutely awesome. I got to wrap this up. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me. It's been an absolute pleasure. And if you're listening, you want, want to learn more about Rachel, her book, her coaching, we're going to post some links on the Craft Charisma website and within the description of this podcast so that you can learn about her more easily. Thank you again. Thank you, Chris. It's been fun. It's dating coach Chris Lona here. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen. And we absolutely love making this podcast. We make this podcast for you. So if there's somebody that you want on the show, let me know. I will yell, scream, stand in front of their house, do everything I do to get them on the show for you. Also, don't hesitate to follow the podcast on SoundCloud and iTunes and Stitcher. You can also give us a shout out through social media, Facebook, Twitter, share it with your friends. And lastly, go to the Craft Christmas website and create an account. There you can talk about the podcast and kind of communicate with me directly. So thank you again for taking time to listen. You will hear again from me soon.